This is KMTT and the weekly Pashat HaShavua Shir. This year, Tavshin Ayn, it will be given by Harav Chanoch Waxman. This week, Pashat Nitzavim Ve'elech, I would like to do something a little bit different than usual and consider the meaning of a singular particular verse in the Torah. The last pasuk of Parak Kafchet, of the opening segment of Nitzavim Ba'elech, pardon me, of Parak Kaftet, uh, Parak Kaftet, Pasuk Kafchet, reads as follows Hanistarot Lashem Elokeinu, loosely translating, the concealed things are to the Lord our God, Vaniglot Lanu Ulevanenu Adolam, and the revealed things are to ourselves and our children forever, Lasotet Koldevrehat Torazot to do this Torah. Now, this is, of course, quite a mysterious pasuk. And for those of you who may have a, a picture in your mind's eye of this pasuk, you might remember the little dots that appear in the Masoretic text above the words lanu uvanenu. And this is a, certainly a mystery in and of itself. But I would like to discuss the mystery of meaning regarding this pasuk. And that is, at first glance, it is simply altogether unclear what the meaning, what the referent of many of the terms in this pasuk are. Let us begin. Hanistarot, the concealed things. What concealed things? What are the nistarot that the Torah is referring to here? And the Torah goes on, Vaniglot lanu And the revealed things. What are the niglot, the revealed things? So we have the nistarot, the concealed things, and the niglot, the revealed things. And furthermore, the Torah goes on to say here in this pasuk, Lasot et kol to do the words of this Torah. A third interesting mystery of meaning in this pasuk to sum it up. The first question I would like to consider is the meaning of this pasuk. What are the nistarot? What are the concealed or hidden things? What are the niglot, the revealed or open things? And furthermore, what is the command here, la sotet kol hatorazot, to do this Torah? Now, as uh, some of you might be aware, if, uh, if one has been listening to previous Sherem in the past, I am a firm believer that no Torah, pasuk in the Torah, no verse in the Torah, should be considered in a vacuum. Uh, that the meaning uh, of a particular verse is, is often contextual, uh, involves relating to the larger context of a particular pasuk, or at the very least that the larger context of a particular pasuk might be informative and inform us as regards to the meaning of particular terms in a particular pasuk. And in point of fact, I think that is the case as well uh, in Parak Kaftet, Pasuk Kaftet, our pasuk of Vahanistarot. And I would like to go back and at the very least build a kind of map of Parakhaftet of chapter 29 to kind of map out or sketch out for you the action or the storyline of the Parak and to raise another question uh, to some extent about the relationship uh, between this Pasuk, the Pasuk of Hanesarot, and the larger surrounding material. So, with this in mind, let us go back to the beginning of Parakhaftet, uh, not the beginning, beginning, but Parakhaftet, Pasuk Tet. Uh, where the larger segment, which our Pasuk is part of, begins. And Parakavtet, Pasuk Tet, uh, reads as follows, the beginning of Parashat Nitzavim, well known and remembered. Atem Nitzavim Hayom Kochem Lefnei Hashem Elokechem. Moshe says to B'nai Yisrael, you stand, all of you, this day in front of the Lord your God. Rashechem, Shiftechem, Ziknechem, Vishotrechem, Kol Ish Yisrael, the heads of your tribes, your tribes, your elders, your officers, everybody. Tabchem, Unushechem, Vigerchash, Everkebachamit, Machanecham, Echotevitzacha, everyone, 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 including all the various members 
of the community. And the purpose is stated explicitly by Moshe in Perek Kavtet, Pasigud Aleph, La'avrecha b'brit Hashem elokecha uba'alato, to cause you to enter into the covenant with God. Everybody has gathered together. And in his warning or his curse, Asher Hashem elokecha koreit imcha yom, that God makes with you this day. And um, the beginning of Moshe's speech here, the beginning of Parshat Nitzavim, the first segment of the larger unit, is an introductory segment which describes the purpose of the gathering, um, the Kritat Brit, and the fact that everybody will be included in Kritat Brit. So it is introduction, inclusion, and discussion of Kritat Brit. Now, it might be thought of as segment two of Moshe's speech. Uh, Moshe moves away from the definition of and description of Kritat Brit to a particular act of warning. Jumping ahead to Perakavtet, Pasuk Tetvav, we read as follows. Ki atem yidatem et asher yashavnu be'aretz mitzrayim vet asher avarnu be'ker v'agim asher avartem. Moshe says, you know what we dwelt in Egypt, that we dwelt in Egypt, and that which we passed amongst the nations that we have passed through, and Moshe continues on in Pasuk Tetzayin, Vatiru et shikutsehem ve'et gilulehem. You saw their disgusting things, their abominations, eights, wooden, ve'evin, and stone, ve'kesef, ve'zahav, and silver, and gold, asher imahem. And of course, you witnessed their worship of Avodah And Moshe continues on, Pasuk Yudayin, Pen yesh b'chen ish o isha o mishpacha o shevet asher lavavo p'nei hayom ha'im ha'shem elo keinu l'lechet l'avodah delokei ha'gayim ha'im. Perhaps there exists amongst you a man or a woman or a family or a tribe whose heart is turned from God that wishes to worship Avodah Zarah. Here in the second segment of the speech, Moshe puts forth a warning to the renegade individual, the renegade family, the renegade tribe, about the dangers of the worship of idols, how this constitutes, of course, a transgression of the Brit of the Covenant, and also maps out, as the text goes on, the punishment that would be visited upon this renegade uh, individual, family, or tribe. Now, at this point, in what might be thought of as segment three of Moshe's lengthy, lengthy speech, we move to something which sounds prophetic in nature, something that sounds historic in nature, a kind of historical telescoping ahead in history in an act of prophecy. We jump down uh, to um, Pasuk uh, Kaf Aleph, and in Pasuk Kaf Aleph we read the following. In the future, the next generation, the children that will stand up after you, and a, a foreign nation that will come from a, from a far land, and in the future they will all see uh, the smiting of that land and its suffering that God has brought upon it. Gafrit vamelach srefa kol sulfur and salt, an entirely burnt and scorched earth. Lo tizrav lo tatzmiach, it cannot be planted nor sprout. Lo yabek kol esav, kamhapechat stom vamra adama utzvoyim. In the third section of the speech, Moshe talks about the future. He prophesies that there will come a time when the land is destroyed and people will see the land and they will ask, how did this destruction come about? And there will be acknowledgement of the fact that it was because of the sins of Am Yisrael. So we have here segment three of the speech, which is the prophetic historical segment of the discussion of destruction in the future. So to map it out, if part one is Kritat Brit, the cutting of the covenant, the inclusion of all in the covenant, 
Part two is the warning uh, against the sins of the renegade individual, family, or tribe. Part three is the kind of prophetic or historical aspect or segment which talks about the future of the destruction of the land and the discussion of said destruction by future generations. At this point, we come back to Pasuk Kafchet, the very last Pasuk of the speech, the coda of Moshe's speech with its three parts, and we read again in Parakavtet, In addition to the question of the particular meaning of these terms, what are the nistarot, and what are the niglot, what are the revealed, and what are the concealed, and what is lasotet kaldiriyat we also must ask ourselves the question, what is the relationship between this last sentence and all the preceding material? Um, what is the relationship between this and the kritat, brit, renegade, family, future destruction story uh, that the speech here in Parakhavtet at the beginning of Parashat Nitzavim seems to map out. Um, what is the inner logic of the speech and how exactly is it that um, this sentence is the fitting end of it? And these are the two questions which I think interrelated that I would like to discuss in this sheet or. Now, time allowing, I would like to discuss what I think uh, might be shot or perhaps the simple uh, interpretation of the term Nistarot and Niglot here and the meaning of the speech. Um, in addition, hopefully I would like to get to a, a comment of Rashi, which I think is a, in a certain sense very interesting, especially when considered against Pshutash and Mikra here. And finally, I would like to share with you a very, very interesting comment or interpretation um, uh, made by uh, Abarbanel and Nitziv, very, very different than what I think may be the Pshat and uh, Shitat Rashi. Uh, let us begin by considering the word nistarot, uh, hidden things. And I think what's most informative about uh, the term nistarot is to realize that our story, or our parsha, begins with the mention of kritat brit. As Moshe says in Perak Kavtet, Pasuk Yud Aleph, la'avrecha bivrit Hashem elokecha ube'alato. The people have all gathered together to be entered into the covenant of God, Uba'alato, and that means his, his warning or his curse that God cuts and makes with you this day. Now, um, an obvious question concerning any Brit uh, arises, well, what exactly are the, are the contents uh, of the Brit? What are the, the tzina'im, the parameters, the conditions, the details? And especially here in the context of the covenant or the Brit at the end of Sefer Dvarim, uh, the mention of Allah, uh, curse or, or warning or uh, something of the like, seems quite interesting. And both in terms of textual proximity and in terms of flow of the narrative, uh, the, the contents of the Brit mentioned here at the beginning of Parashat Nitzavim uh, are actually all of the end of Sefer Dvarim, more or less, and all the mitzvot uh, related. Um, but more specifically... There's a kind of particular reference here to, I believe, the ceremony, or some of the details of the ceremony, in Har Grizim and Har Eval, that was mentioned um, in last week's parsha in Parshat Kitavo. Um, if we uh, go back uh, for the moment to Parakav Zion, um, Pasuk uh, Yud Aleph and on, uh, even doing it outside of the text, the Torah tells us that when B'nai Yisrael and Am Yisrael come to Har Grizim and Har Eval, um, for the purpose of the Kritat Brit ceremony, then there are six tribes that will stand, so to speak, on the bracha upon Hargrizim, uh, and six tribes that will stand, so to speak, upon the klala upon Har Eval. 
And then the Leviim uh, standing uh, in the middle of the two groups of six will make their declaration. If we pick it up from the moment in Perak Kapzayin, Pasik Tetva, we read as follows. Arura Isha Cursed is the man who makes a graven image, a statue, to Avat Hashem. It is repulsive to God, Ma'asayyadei Harash, Vasham Basater. And he hides his statue. He puts it in a little closet in his house, as we are familiar uh, with from later on in Tanakh and from the literature of Piyuth. Vanu kala amba amru amen. And uh, all the people will say, yes, cursed is such a man. Uh, amen. Aru mekale aviv of amarkal. Amen. Likewise, one who curses his mother and father is cursed, the Levim declare. And the people answer, Amen. Pasik Yudzayin. Aru masig of amarkal. Amen. One who encroaches upon the property of his friend is cursed, the people answer, Amen. Aru masig iver badarach. One who trips up a blind man on the path is cursed, the people say, Amen. Aru matem mishpat geriatom valmana. One who abuses or distorts the judgment of the powerless, the weak, the Gayatom of Amakal Amamein. And again, there are quite a few others here, but just as almost one other example, taking it down to Parakav Zayin, Pasak Kavdalat, Basater, one who secretly strikes um, his friend, Ramakal Amamein. Now, if we noted here, uh, both in um, Pasuk Tedvav, the prohibition of Odazara, the word Sater is mentioned uh, in a hidden fashion. And likewise, in Perakav Zayin Pasuk Kavdalet, in, in the case of striking one's friend, the word Sater in a hidden fashion is mentioned. And apparently, there are sins that are hidden, and there are sins, Basater, that are done Basater in a secret fashion, and there are sins that are open in public, such as tripping up a blind man in public, uh, or encroaching, perhaps, upon the gvul of one's friend, or uh, deliberately abusing um, a, a yatom va'omana and a ger, one of the powers in society. And the Torah seems to have here a loose grouping of those sins that are done secretly and those things that are done brazenly and openly. And the curse is upon all of them because they are all sins and the people must accept responsibility for all of these sins. Now, realizing this, um, when we come back to uh, nistar in Parak Kavtet Pasak Kavchet, it is quite suggestive to read as follows. Hanistarot Lashem Elokeinu. The hidden sins belong to the Lord our God, vahniglot lanu ulevanenu ad olam, but the revealed and open sins belong to us and our children forever. Now, what does this mean? Well, I would like to elaborate upon this through another parsha found later on in, in Tanakh. What I have in mind is Sefer Yehoshua, which can be thought of as a story of hidden sin, Sefer Yehoshua Perak Zion, as a story of hidden sin and punishment. If we jump ahead in the Tanakh to Sefer Yeshua, uh, Perak Zion, we have the story of the aftermath of the conquest of Yericho. As we should remember, um, there was a cherem declared upon all of the objects uh, of Yericho, a ban. They were all prohibited uh, to B'nai Israel. And, of course, what happened is the people did not stand by uh, this ban. Perak Zion uh, and the B'nai Israel transgressed uh, the transgression or the ban. Um, so first thing to note here is that the Cherem is actually transgressed by one person, by Achan, but the language of the Torah is and the people, all of the nation transgressed uh, against the, the ban. Now, of course, what happens afterwards, we should remember, is that Am Yisrael Yoshua 
sends spies or sends a band, not not spies, sends a band to conquer the eye, and B'nai Israel experience this tragic reversal. They lose the first battle with the eye, uh, and then apparently there's a revelation and something has gone wrong. And later on in Perak Zion, Pasukit Aleph, God explains to Yahushua the reason for the failure in the war against the eye. Uh, God says, Chata Yisrael, the Jewish nation has sinned. V'gam avru et briti asher tziviti otam. And they have also transgressed my covenant that I commanded. V'gam lachum enachem, v'gam v'gvu, v'gam kichashu, v'gam samu bichlehem. In fact, the end here of putting in one's vessels and lying about it and stealing is actually true. One individual has done so and even transgressed in the cherem. But the first parts of the pasuk, the transgression of the covenant, um, the sinning of all of Israel seems a bit Strange. Now, if we go on, there's a kind of very interesting resemblance, which we can note between the story of Achan and our parsha, uh, the story of Mitzavim Perak Kafchet. Eventually, uh, after God has punished the people um, by having them fail in the war against the eye, there's a almost a selection process that goes on to figure out who is the individual. Who has sinned? And the way the selection process goes is that first the people are divided up into shvatim, into tribes, and then from shvatim they're divided into mishpachot, into families, and then from mishpachot they're uh, divided into individuals. So the process goes nation, am, shevet, then mishpacha, family, and finally individual. Four, three, two, one. Nation, um, shevet, tribe, family, and individual. And eventually... Achan confesses um, and says, well, yes, I took some of the gold and silver from the cherem. So I had this desire for gold and silver and I sinned in a hidden fashion and I took it for myself. But even though the individual sinned in a hidden fashion here and took it for himself, eventually everyone was punished until he was singled out. Now, going back to our parsha, to parshat Kitavo, there are a lot of interesting resemblances which we uh, might note here. The first is the statement found in Parak Kavchet, Pasuk, Parak Kavtet, Pasuk Kav, Parak Kavtet, Pasuk Kavchet, Hanistarot Lashem Elokeinu, that God will punish the hidden sins. Um, and of course, in the case of Achan, it was God who punished the hidden sins of the people by causing them to uh, lose the battle against the eye the first time around. And also in our parsha, um, there is a particular mention of gold and silver. Going back to Parak Kavtet, Pasak Tetzain, Vatiru, Et Shikutehem, etc. Kesef Bizahav, the exact sin, which on some level, the desire after or the straying after Kesef and Zahav, which on some level, Acham performed. And then, in the warning against the renegade individual or family or tribe, the exact reading of the Pasuk in Kavtet Yudzain is as follows. Banyesh Bechem Ish, an individual. O Isha, O Mishpacha, uh, or family. O Shevet, or a tribe, and God goes on about the destruction, eventually culminating in destruction or the punishment of the entire nation. And here the process is kind of the reverse of the selection process in the case of Achan, where in the case of Achan it went for the nation, three, uh, the, 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 the tribe, two, the family, and one, the individual. Here in our parsha, it goes the reverse. The curse goes one, Ishu Isha, the individual, two, the, the mishpacha, 
three, the Shevet, and four, finally, the corporate punishment of the entire nation. It would seem to me that the story of Achan taking from the Cherem is a historical manifestation about the kind of thing that's being talked about uh, in the Brit of Parshat Nitzavim. And in this light, uh, the way we should read Perak Kavtet Pasuk Kavchet Ar Pasuk of Hanistarot is something along the following lines. Hanistarot Lashem Elokeinu. The hidden sins done by the individual um, or by the group even on some plane, those will be punished by God. That's God's responsibility to punish those sins. But the revealed sins, the things that are done in the open, in a brazen fashion, that we are aware of. And here, means to enforce the words of this Torah. Uh, in other words, the Pasuk here is about who punishes for sin. Um, the revealed and concealed sins, those will be accounted for and punished by God, as opposed to um, the public and open sins, it is our responsibility uh, to uh, punish for them and to enforce the laws of the Torah. Now, if this is the meaning of the Pasuk, let us move to kind of the second question that I raised. What is the connection to the larger Parsha? I think there are two key important concepts here. In the end of the day, as uh, pointed out already within the context of Parakavtet, um, the sin or the difficulty or the tragedy seems to begin with a single individual. And there's also a certain kind of hidden quality uh, to the sin done by the individual, but nevertheless, God will punish the hidden sins of the individual and these punishments will happen vis-a-vis, to some extent, the entire Sibur, the entire nation. Um, uh, um, And there is a kind of notion of corporate responsibility uh, that exists here. That the people as a whole uh, are held responsible for uh, the Nistarot. Um, And one fundamental notion of this parasha is the idea of corporate responsibility. Now, another fundamental notion is that it is not just God who punishes responsible for the enforcement of the Torah. Um, the revealed uh, sins, that, those are rest upon us to punish for them. So there's not just the notion of corporate responsibility, but there's also a notion of partnership, that God will enforce and punish some sins, but we, the nation, the Am, the community, the Beitin, must also... Uh, enforce and punish some of the sins, at the very least the ones that we know about. So there are two fundamental theological concepts that come to fore in this book. One, the notion of uh, group responsibility, mutual responsibility, um, corporate identity, and secondly, the idea of partnership with God. And I would argue that this goes back to the very beginning of the speech, um, which uh, where Moshe says in Parakavtet, Pasigurin, in Alti, you've all gathered here today for what purpose? for the purpose of Kritat Brit. And as Moshe says, Brit, or Kritat Brit, is about two primary notions. One, the idea of becoming an Am, becoming a nation, and the corporate identity and group responsibility that's implicit in that. And that's one notion implicit in the end of the Parsha and the Pasuk of Hanistarot. And the other, the idea of partnership with God. That there are two sides. 
um, that there's the God side and the man side or the Am Yisrael side. And in entering into Brit with God, we become partners. And that partnership is again reflected in the notion of Hanistarot Lashem Elokeinu Vaniglot Lanu Lavenenu Adolam. It is God who enforces the Torah on the level of Nistar, these be the hidden sins, but it is ourselves who are responsible on the open level, on the Niglot Lanu. This is again another manifestation of the notion of partnership implicit in Kritat Brit. Okay. Now, although I think um, this might well be pshat of the Pasuk of Anisterot, maybe the, uh, the relatively simple interpretation, it is not the, the chosen approach, uh, chosen by the Mepharshim. And I would like to share with you, as mentioned earlier, two comments. One um, by Rashi. Um, and the other by Abarbanel and Nativ. Uh, Rashi is actually quite close, uh, or the second approach, Rashi's approach, is actually quite close um, to the suggestion uh, I made a few moments ago. But it is different in a very interesting way, and I think to some extent subverts one of the major ideas that I tried to outline in interpreting the Pasuk of Anistarot. I would like to take a look and try to interpret this Rashi. Andrem Per Kavtet, Pasuk Kavchet. Rashi says as follows: Hanistarot l'Hashem Elokeinu ve'im tomru. And if you will say, Ma biadenu la'asot, what can we possibly do? Atama'anish et harabim al hihurei hayachid. God, you punish the group, the community, for the hihurei hayachid, for the inner thoughts, the inner feelings, the truly secret things of the individual. Shne'emar in pasuk Yudzayin. Now, what is Rashi referring to? Rashi is referring to the development of the parsha here, which to some extent I have already mapped out for you. If we go back to Pasuk Yud Zayin, uh, what I term the beginning of the second segment of the parsha, the warning against the renegade individual, family, or tribe, uh, the Torah reads in Kaftet Yud Zayin as follows: Penyesh b'chem ish o isha o mishpacha o shevet asher livavo poneh hayom e'im Hashem elokeinu. His heart is turned away from uh, the Lord our God, and the heart here is meant to be something inner. There's a hirhur, an inner thought. He desires to worship Abodazara. And looking at Pasuk he will bless himself in his heart despite all of the threats and curses of this Brit. And what will he say? I will go by the cruelness or randomness of my heart. The term lev is mentioned three times in Pesukim Yudzayin and Yudchet. And the whole tragic development of our parsha seems to begin with the inner, secret, hidden thoughts of the heart of a single individual. And how does it develop? As Rashi is already pointing out, going, uh, pointed out going down to Pasuk Kaf Aleph. In the future historical prophetic segment of the parak, there'll be this mass destruction, and the Dora Acharon will come, and Pasuk Kafbet says, Ra'uit Makota Aretz, they'll see the fact that the land was smitten, at Tachloet, sickness, Gafrit Vamelach, sulfur and salt, Srefakot, a scorched earth like stone, Mamara, nothing sprouts, nothing grows, and this entire process seems to be because of the inner concealed thoughts of a single individual, Balev, and what begins in the heart, the rotten heart of a single individual, becomes a punishment on the national level. A kind of absolute and complete total disaster. Uh, a result of stone v'amorah because of the single hidden private thoughts of an individual. Rashi says, 
It actually can't be. Because the people could ta'ana, the people could claim to God, God, it's not fair. It's too much responsibility. It's too much of a kind of corporate identity. It's communal punishment, which is inherently, fundamentally unfair. So Rashi says, continuing on, uh, A man cannot possibly know the secret hidden thoughts of his friend. And God's response in this last pasuk, I do not punish you for the hidden concealed thoughts of a single individual. They belong to God and God will take an accounting from that single individual and only that individual. But the revealed things, But the revealed sins, that rests upon us and our children to expunge the evil from our midst. And if not, And if we will not enforce the law, then it will rebound upon us. Let's go back to the text. Rashi is reading in a slightly different, but very fundamentally different way than the way we read the Pasuk. We are absolutely responsible for the hidden and the revealed. And there's corporate responsibility and there's partnership with God and the Pasuk is a kind of continuation of the fundamental themes of the Pasha. This is way one, the way we read the Pasuk. Rashi reads it in the opposite way, as a kind of counterbalancing or as a contrast as a limitation of the theme of absolute communal and corporate responsibility. The hidden things that happen in the hearts of private individuals, those are God's business that God will extract from that single individual. There are limitations to arevut, uh, to the intermingling of ourselves with others and our group responsibility. It is only the neglot, the revealed things, that we must enforce, and if we do not enforce these standards, we will be punished for. So in this sense, Rashi is quite close uh, to the overall themes I outlined, but kind of subverts perhaps the simple sense of Pshutash HaMikra by viewing the last Pesach as a counter, a balancing, a contrast, and a limitation of the notion of communal responsibility. Okay, this is primarily, uh, these are primarily the ideas I want to present in the Shi'or, and I think there's much here to think about. But before closing, in the next five or six minutes, I would like to suggest a third reading of the Pasuk of Hanistarot, Hashem Al-Kenim Haniklot, one which originates um, in the words of, in the reading of Abar Ben El I do not think that it is that close to the simple sense of Pshat, but at the same time, it is a fascinating idea that I think draws upon something quite deep. Uh, in the larger context of Sefer Dvarim, in the larger context of this Pasuk. And I would like to try to map this out uh, for you. Abarbanel and Itziv work off the fact that the end of our parsha of Kritat's Brit, of Moshe's speech, seems to involve a, a dialogue. Uh, and what I mean by that is, let us jump to Perak Kaftet, Pasuk Kaf Aleph, the beginning of what I prefer to term the prophetic or historic section of the uh, Parsha. Um, it says as follows, And the future generation will say, uh, The children who will stand up or rise up after you. And the foreign nation that comes from a, the Goyim, that come from a foreign place, a far place. And they see the the makot, the, the smiting of the land, the sickness of the land, gafrit v'melach, stone v'amra. So, Abarbanel points out that there are there are two groups here. 
um, that do the witnessing function, that witness, that see what has happened to the land in the future. On the one hand, there's the Dora Acharon Bnei Chem, there's Am Yisrael, there's the Jewish people. And on the other hand, there are the, the foreigners, the Nachrim, who have come from a foreign place. And they all stand in astonishment uh, about what happens. And then from this point on, the Torah maps out a apparently a dialogue between these two groups. Perakavtet Pasik Kaf Gimel says as follows. And the nations will say, why did God do this? Why the great burning anger? And Pasik Kavdalot says, Now, the Amrus here are vague, and it's unclear who's saying what, and exactly how many groups there are, but the claim of Nitziv and Abarbanel is, is that there are two groups and there's a dialogue. The Amru, the question is, of course, the nations of the world say, how could this have happened? Why such horrible destruction? Why did God do this? Why the great anger? And the second of Amru, Pasik Kavdalot, Vamru al Azwut, Brit Hashem Shakrat Imam, this is the confession or the explanation of the future generation of Am Yisrael that explain uh, to the non-Jews as to how this happened and why this happened. The destruction, the horror, the scorched earth is because of the sins of the forefathers. And the children acknowledge and accept and understand the sins of the forefathers and talk about the chet of Avodah Now, we then go on where this historic prophetic section finishes off and we get to And Abarbanel says that the Nistarot is a continuation of the speech of the future generation of Am Yisrael. His exact comment is uh, as follows. Etc. These two are the words of the future generation that answer the question of the guy, how could this horrible destruction happen? How can anything like this occur? After they gave their answer, Explaining the known, uh, revealed explanation for the great destruction, Avodah Zarah, they continue on to say, If there's another reason, something that is not nigla, something that is not revealed, something that is nistar, God is the one who knows. According to Abarbanel and Nitziv, the Pasuk of Hanisterot Hashem Elkein is a continuation of the dialogue. It is the statement of the future generation of Am Yisrael. The Nisterot are not the hidden sins, but the Nisterot are the hidden causes, the hidden reasons for the historical process that has occurred. The hidden reasons or causes the divine reasons for the inexplicable horror of history that has been visited upon the Jewish people. And there are revealed reasons and revealed responsibilities that we accept upon ourselves as we being the cause of our own suffering. But if there is more that we cannot explain to others or explain to the Goyim, these are nistar, these are hidden. God knows them, and certainly God knows them. The picture that Abarbanil and Atsiv create here is of a future generation that accepts responsibility for the sins of the forefathers and say, this has happened because of ourselves. And it is not just a picture of a future generation that accepts responsibility, it is also a future generation that is humble, that knows that there are some things that they don't know. And we can explain 
partially the workings of history. We can explain partially the motivations of God. But the true reasons, the nistarot, the hidden aspects remain with God. And we are humble. We do not need to understand everything. So there's a kind of picture here of the future generation that both takes responsibility um, and is humble vis-a-vis God in that taking of responsibility. And this is almost, one might think of it as a kind of um, messianic vision on some level. Now, I mentioned earlier that, uh, although I, I'm not convinced this is shocked in terms of reading the Pesukim, I do think it touches upon a fascinating dynamic here in the Chumash. Um, and I think that Nitziv and Abarbanel's comments kind of unveil this dynamic for us, and I would like to, to show it here to kind of wrap up the Shi'ur. Um, the Parsha, immediately after the story of Hanistarot, after the story of Kutat Brit in Perak Kaftet of Nitzavim, is of course Perak Lamed, and I'll read you just one pasuk from it. It says as follows, When all of this will happen to you, when history will happen to you, the blessing and the curse, then what will happen at the end of history? You will return to your hearts out there amongst the nations. Um, one key term here is vashevota, to return. Another is levavecha, your heart. And the parsha goes on, and at the end of the parsha in Perak Lamed, Pasuk Yud, we read again, You return to the Lord your God with all your heart. Again, the word tashuv, return, and levavecha, heart. And Perak Lamed, Pasuk Aleph through Yud, is of course parshat hatshuva the story of repentance and return to God. And throughout the parsha, whether it's in these ten psukim, whether it's God, whether the people returning to God, people being shoved to God, or God being shoved, God returning to the people, or the shvut, the, 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 the exile of the people coming back to the land, the word shav, meaning tshuva, appears seven times, and an eighth time in reference to the scattered people returning to the land, kind of the result of the tshuva. And the word lev appears six times. So there's six mentions of Lev and seven mentions of Tshuva and the eighth mention of Tshuva, which is kind of the return. The culmination of Tshuva Balev is, of course, the redemption and the return of the people to the land. And the connection between Lev and Tshuva in this parsha is very important because Tshuva begins in the heart and it's the repentant heart of the nation that is the key uh, to uh, the national redemption mentioned in Parsha Tshuva. Now, we should realize that the focus on Lev in Parshat HaTshuva, in Parak Lamed, must hark back, and certainly does hark back, to the focus on Lev, to the heart in Parak Kaftet. And I would like to revisit Parak Kaftet, Pasuk Yud Zayin, where all of the violation of the Brit and the eventual destruction began. In Parak Kaftet, Pasuk Yud Zayin, His heart is turned away. Uh, I will go, but there is the private, individual, corrupt heart. And all of the tragedy of Am Yisrael begins from that private, individual, corrupt heart. And the eventual tikkun, the eventual fixing and redemption and balancing out and closing of the circle of that private, individual, corrupt heart is the returning corporate national heart of Am Yisrael depicted in Parshat Tachiva. They are opposites. Um, one is the beginning and one is the end. Uh, one is the disaster and one is the resolution. So if Parak Kaftet, the story of Brit, involves the private individual corrupt heart, Parak Lama, the story of Chuvah, involves the public, communal, repentant, corporate heart. 
Abarbanel and Atzib in their comment are describing for us, they're unmasking for us, what are the contents of this public, corporate, repentant heart that fixes the problem of the private, individual, corrupt heart. And the contents of that heart, the feelings and the thoughts are, one, responsibility, and two, humility. Being able to say, that um, we might understand somewhat of the historical process of, and we are responsible for the sins of our forefathers and our own sins as a people. But the hidden things, we do not begin to understand God's agenda. These dual attributes of responsibility and humility, being able to say, these are the aspects of the future generation of the heart that returns to God and the key to Parshat Tachuvah. And hence, according to Abarbel and Nitziv, the Pasuk of Anistarot is a perfect bridge from the story of the private corrupt heart to the public repentant heart of Parshat Tachuvah. Okay.